0: the Flawed Workshop Podcast with me, your host, Nancy Art Music,
1: and me, your co-host, Alex Roberts.
0: This week, we're talking to Stephen about what it's like to be a full-time writer. We discuss topics like procrastination, time management, and how difficult it can be sometimes to share your work with others and get feedback and criticism. I'd also like to take this moment to highlight that you can leave us a voice note using the link in the show notes that goes to Anchor, There, you can ask us a question, leave us a suggestion, or give us a comment. Let us know who you might like on the podcast, whether it is yourself or a friend or a big-time celebrity that you'd like us to try and get. But without further ado, here's our conversation with Stephen. Hi, Stephen, and thank you for joining us on the Flawed Workshop podcast. Woohoo!
2: Hi. I mean, we have been speaking for like 10 minutes, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh,
0: Uh, cool. So uh, yes, uh, thank you for coming and speaking with us twenty minutes prior to just now, and, and for the next little while also. But yes, I know that you're a writer and uh, you're recently kind of working on a project. Tell us a little bit about what you do, and yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Cool. Um, well, yeah, like you said, I'm well, I'm an aspiring writer. I like to say because you know Woo, aspiring. aspiring. <laughs> I know it's great, right? <laughs> uh, um, I I would like to be a full time writer, and because of the pandemic and you know the world uh, sort of grinding to a halt a little bit, I thought it was a good time to sort of pack up my job and because uh, I have some uh, some a bit saved up and focus full time on writing. And uh, in that regard, at the moment, I'm writing three stories concurrently, which is. Uh, anybody listening to this don't don't do that it's a terrible <laughs> idea but uh you know it's that's just how my mind works as a like a front of chaos going on but that's neither here nor there
1: if, if it helps I've, I've got three collections on the go at the moment <laughs> i've got two poetry collections and a short story collection so that sounds like hell oh well i haven't Wait. read it yet you know it's- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, what I meant to say is it sounds like a very um, wonderful endeavor. Virtually. What,
1: what an arduous task you've set yourself! I here. know.
2: <laughs> there, you go. it's much uh, much better. Uh, mm. but, um, Both
0: of you are incredible to me because writing looks really difficult. I just, to me, it looks like you guys probably stare at your pages on the computer or wherever else, just, and it seems terrifying.
1: Undoubtedly, yeah. It's
2: uh Yeah, I mean my eyes my eyesight has literally gotten worse the last two months <laughs> from staring at the computer screen too too long and just going, Okay, this doesn't work. Let's try something else. Oh no, I've just completely wasted an hour writing
1: terrible <laughs> uh stuff. It's when you turn around and suddenly it's dark outside and you think, When did that happen?
2: <laughs> I mean I mean my most productive hours are like two o'clock in the morning. So it's like, oh no, it's light outside. <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> <can that go? laughs>
0: oh, tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing. Uh what kind of writing is it?
2: I should probably preface this first by saying that um I've over the years I've compiled like lots of different ideas um that I've jotted down like notepads on the computer. And the aim that I always had, and before anybody says it, I did this before I'd watch a single Marvel movie. So don't, <laughs> don't come at me for that. But um This general idea is that all these stories do connect in some way or other. So I I have like thriller ideas. I've had uh, detective ideas like Supernatural, yada, yada. And they all connect in some fashion. They're all in sort of like shared multiverse, as it were, and things cross over and what have you. Um, But the ones that I'm concentrating on now at the moment, there's three that are sort of vaguely connected in like a very vague sort of way. There's one that I started... um, well, I started properly when I left work in January, end of January. That is, well, it, the long short of it is that it's about a woman who's you know involved in a train uh, explosion. And she gets caught up in sort of supernatural what have whatevers whatever's and, and things. But these creatures are sort of coming through from another dimension. And she sort of gets wrapped up in trying to stop these things without knowing what the hell is going on. And uh, trying to come to terms with you know the love of her life dying and realizing that you might not have been as good of a person as she thought he was, sort of trying to discover herself outside of that relationship as well. In and my mind, that's ame- it's
1: immediately gone to uh, the Railway Children meets Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, if, if the Ghostbusters blew up some people in in the underneath a tunnel in New Cross, then uh, oh, <laughs> then
1: we, live be- we live near we live near New Cross. Is that is that anything personal or? <laughs>
2: No, it's just because it was the only tunnel I could think of, and I needed a tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) So, like the original draft was, was, they were going to like on their honeymoon to Stansted Airport, but then I forgot where the tunnel for Stansted Airport on that route was, so I had to like change everything and change them to go into Gatwick, which was annoying. But uh, yeah, that's the hazards of writing.
0: It almost sounds too real. It's like uh, your plans in real life change based on like just like, oh, well, we can't travel to this place. We now need to figure well, out alternative transportation.
1: <laughs> well, just talk about that. So I, um, I've i got it with, with my... I, I do have a, a very slow-burning novel on the go, and uh, I was doing some research for an event that happens in it, and uh, it's a, a very specific type of drug overdose that happens to a character. And, of course, I then spent like two, three days just typing in co- constantly just like drug names and drug overdose symptoms and things. And I was there thinking... This is this is definitely going to flag somewhere by by someone. Um, have you have you had that sort of thing with with your with your research?
2: I saved a website page, but it's not like a dark wiki or something. But it's so sort of for like writers that you know gives them like drug names and effects and gun types and all that. Okay. And I can't find it, which is really annoying because when I'm trying to find like a gun type or bullet type or specific drug,
1: like you said. And you're typing into Google, it's like, oh boy. Uh, It's when it auto completes to say where to find. (laughs) It's
2: like, oh, no, no, they're they're watching me. Uh, I'm probably on some CIA list somewhere.
1: One of the main things that we have is, uh, that we talk about is people finding the balance between uh, working and then trying to set themselves up creatively. And you've gone sort of a step further than most people we've spoken to so far, which is you've Gone out, quit your job, and full-time living on savings at the moment. From what I understand, yeah. Can yeah. um, um, you tell yes. us a little bit about how that happened, why that happened, and sort of any advice that you would have for other people, if any?
0: <laughs> Strategy and planning, if there was any involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it depends on your point of view. I'm
2: lucky or unlucky enough to still be living with my parents. I've been working for a couple of years now, and I have the money where you know I can pay for everything. It's fine. I, I don't pay rent, so yay but um I pay for everything else so you know I'm I'm in a comfortable position that most people would not be able to be in and I f- I'm fully aware of that and it would be sort of obtuse isn't the word but it would be unfair of me to say all right you, you have these ideas you want to be a writer you want to be a filmmaker whatever just pack up your job you know don't care about anything else don't care about paying your car insurance don't care about paying rent or anything like that just go fulfill your dream because it's not something that most people can actually do hmm. you know? so
1: yeah, you're very very me, aware very aware of the situation and but you're take, able to be in a position where you can take advantage of it for your own gain in a way yeah i mean without making it sound as selfish as that <laughs> I, I, does that you know what
2: no, i mean no, I, mean, you know. no I, I totally understand what you mean I, I did have a conversation with my colleagues you know, like the week before I left and we was just, it was lunchtime and we we're just sitting around and talking about what I was going to do and things like that. And, you know, that did come up and because he, he comes from New Zealand. So, you know, his situation is a lot different. And he, obviously he wasn't work, the job that we're working isn't something that we wanted to do, <laughs> to put it politely. Um, we all have different things that we want to do. Um, and obviously he wasn't in a situation where he would be able to just pull away and, you know, do what he wanted to do, whereas I was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did feel like at pains to say that, yeah, I do understand that I am in an unfortunate position, um, which I don't know whether I needed to or not. But I mean, I am taking advantage of it because at the end of the day, I want to be a full-time writer mm. and I am not disciplined enough. I know this for a fact to do both at the same time, to juggle both at the same time effectively. Yeah. Um. And I know. I mean, I wish I was. A lot of people are, but I, I just can't do it. And I, I realized that particularly like with the job where I was working at a charity and during the Christmas period, we have like a project that helps, you know, vulnerable people, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go into too much detail on it, but um, it is an extremely stressful time of the year. And it's, I, that was the fourth year I'd done it or fifth. I can't even remember now. And it just takes so much emotional toll on you and you feel absolutely exhausted as soon as you come in uh work and i just couldn't do it i think at that point i realized if i actually want to make something of myself in the avenue that i want to go down then i have to pack it in unfortunately
1: because we we often talk about finding the balance between what you know uh work and play so to speak um but that balance is different for every single person and you're never going to find it immediately overnight. It's not going to be the case that you can start a new job uh, and, and at the exact same time have, have the energy and the time and the ability to do all of your writing projects or your art projects and start up your own small business. Um, But just because someone else is able to manage a part-time job and part-time running their own business does not mean that you have to do that. And it does not mean that you, that that is the most efficient way for you to work. And you need to work out your own path uh, with it and and your own balance.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's quite interesting because the previous episode uh, we recorded, we were speaking to an artist called Izzy. She's done a similar thing where she's quit her previous sort of nine to five, but she's got a part-time job to support herself whilst also running her business but then now she's also pursuing education alongside of all all those things. But it, it's just uh, an example of how different people are yeah. and how everybody kind of does things. Sorry to rewind all the way back, but um, <laughs> how did you start writing? How, did you when did you realize that you liked to write?
2: Yeah, so um, I don't know if this will destroy the mystique of the podcast a little bit, but you did send me like a brief of the questions beforehand, <laughs> no
1: more than we have.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> But I, I, I did give it some thought because I, I, at first I honestly couldn't think uh, at all of it. But I did, as best as I could, I could tr- I did try and track it down in so much that I've always basically from like three, four, five, I've always been living in my head more so than like in the actual real world, I guess. And, you know, I would make sort of weird stories about my, my cuddly toys, for example. Like how I had a panda from birth and he was an emperor of some land or something for some reason. And he went around executing people that he didn't like.
1: Um, <laughs> Sounds like an m Yep. <laughs> okay.
0: How old were you it's, when you uh, had this panda? <laughs>
2: 16. <laughs> well, I mean, I was given it from birth, but this this story is probably like from four or five, I guess.
0: Wow. Um, I guess actually as, as, like, you don't realize until you grow up and you see other kids experience it, but, like, kids are scary for this exact reason. Well, no, it's, it's, <laughs>
1: it's a bit different. So um, when... Like growing up in the 90s in the UK, it was the case that, um, as a boy, when you're about four or five, your your life becomes one of four things it's either defined entirely by trains, <laughs> diggers, dinosaurs, or, or or fighting like there's no in between, it's one of those four personality types.
0: Yeah. Really? I mean, I
2: was dinosaurs and fighting,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I, I was, yeah, I was definitely a dinosaurs kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> sorry, we digress. We're talking about your early stories and your panda.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: we were, weren't we? That's weird. Um, so, so, yeah, how, so. You,
0: how you kn- knew that you uh, wanted to pursue writing professionally as you grew up?
2: So, I mean, fast-forwarding quite a few years, I guess. And uh, I mean, I don't know if either of you are aware of, like, you're not going to be because it's like super niche and super nerdy. But I mean, so yeah. <laughs> So um there was this thing called core wrestling, basically, which is stands for create a wrestler wrestling. Um and there was like a little community on YouTube around like two thousand seven to onwards, who were like people wrestling fans who used to create stories using video games, the uh, wrestling, like WWE video games. Ooh. And so you would record matches and you would make characters and you would voice the characters or you'd write text for it.
1: What would it be like, such, like um, machinima kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean like, sort of basic machinima kind of thing.
1: Awesome. Okay. I'm, that was, I'm gonna check
2: that out. <laughs> I don't know what the scene is like now because I, I stopped paying attention a long time ago. But um I, I'm I'm proud to say that I was somewhat known, which was good back in the day. And I did <laughs> I was I did like organize an event that became pretty big. That was like a joint thing between like fifty different com- companies,
0: oh, in cool. quotation Mm-hmm. um
2: in the end but uh so getting back to that so you, you sort of uh, develop your storytelling skills because there's decades of worth of wrestling storylines that you can a plagiarize and b improve on and make sure that you're not just doing something somebody else is doing mm-hmm. and my storylines uh tended to go towards more supernatural things for some reason i had like a a magician who could uh, manipulate reality, because why not? Um, I had a vampire, or two vampires, one that died because of a glitch in the game, and I decided to roll with it. All the punches adapt. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, uh, You know, there's other stuff like that, and I sort of developed my storytelling skills without actually knowing that I wanted to be a storyteller at that time. Mm. Um, I think it was a little later on when I was applying for university. I think this was a real sort of catalyst moment. And I sort of realised that I a didn't know what I wanted to be, um, and B, I realised that also I was more creatively inclined than anything else. Like I, I don't want. I'm not totally not blowing my own, my own horn, and I'm, i we come back to it because mm. it's important to me, I guess. But um, I was always pretty decent or good at school, and because of that, teachers always sort of take a certain viewpoint of you that you'll be good at like dry subjects like maths and I was sort of pushed in sort of a law direction because that seemed like a good idea and to me that's just hell
0: (laughs) as somebody who enjoys reading contracts I understand and also wish that you liked it more
2: (laughs) I wish I did too because it's hell I don't know how you do it. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> I think it's because I like poking holes in things. It's like, oh, terms and conditions apply, huh? Let me see that. <laughs> um, and yep. twist it to my to my will.
1: It's great living with you.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, I think you probably have to have a certain mindset that you obviously have and I don't. And I think it was at that point where I realized, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Well, I sort of sat down for, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Not anything like law or anything like mathematics or anything like that. Okay, cool. What do I like? Like writing stories, making stories. Sweet, let's do that. And by that point, I'd already had sort of ideas of different like universes and stuff, but I wasn't really taking seriously. But um, I think I just built up from that from that point and then I took it forward. That's the short version, which probably went on for like too long, anyway. But uh... no, was perfect.
0: so now you're you're uh, writing three different sort of things simultaneously that are also all intertwined. Um, but you are, are obviously have more time to do it since you aren't working um, basically anywhere else, and you, your time is spent on this. So how are you? How are you managing to keep yourself motivated? Because I can imagine. Well, I, my approach, if I had all the time in the world to do creative things, would be very uh, torn between uh, research, also in quotation marks, because time on YouTube is sometimes well, well spent, <laughs> and yeah. um, actually making the thing and working towards what you're doing. Basically, how's your time management recently?
2: Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, it's not great. <laughs> do we like honesty? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> i mean i might as well be honest um, i would only be lying to you and whoever's listening uh so that would be good but um I've, i mean i've always had a procrastination issue and <laughs> going back slightly to the whole being good at school thing um mm-hmm. i never had to try in school and again that's not me boasting it's just staying a fact
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that means that because i never had to try other people that did have to try yeah Got, uh, built up a work ethic that i i wasn't able to at the time which has despite my best efforts, and despite the fact that i can trace this back and kind have of been psychoanalyzing myself for god knows how long mm-hmm. um i sometimes it still hits you or hits me and you know you're staring at the page and you, you were staring at a particular paragraph that you may have left off the previous night and you know exactly where you want to go with it and you can't
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fingers
2: like- hover right over the keyboard, and it's like, uh, and and it just yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just then I start, okay, I'll just a couple of minutes, I'll listen to some music, or I'll watch this video on YouTube, and I'll come back to it, and it's all good. And then you, it's suddenly three o'clock in the morning, and you've watched a wrestling show for two hours, and you realize, oh, I have to go to sleep now because I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> for me, yeah. the, like, uh, it's the cycle of, oh, I am. Um, like after I've got to that point, I can't be productive now. I've, uh, I'm have i too tired to do this thing that I want to do. And I can't do it to the standard that it would have to be for it to be successful. So I'll go to sleep and we'll start fresh tomorrow. And i, I woo terrified of that becoming like an infinite cycle for myself. But you, you sometimes struggle with blank pages, Alex.
1: Definitely. Um, particularly when it comes to weekends, I overpressure myself into writing. so I, I still work a full-time job, so my evenings and the weekends are pretty much the only time I get to work unless I really want to annoy my uh, colleagues and just completely disregard my uh, my contract. <laughs> but um, it's uh, I, I, yeah, like I said I, I feel I build it up too much and I end up pressuring myself onto it and, and it's not an enjoyable task slash hobby slash you know uh, escape from reality for a bit because, very much like you um i i do have all these worlds in my head um in different genres and things so uh you know you mentioned yours is quite heavily based around supernatural stuff you seem to uh gear towards every now and then um for me it's very sort of dark underside uh sides of uh sort of humanity and things um and uh, working out where a twist can be in a very generic event. And I will quite often just sit there for an hour or two and I'll, I'll write maybe five or six sentences, delete the whole thing, start again, or I'll just end up jotting down random words and seeing if any of them spark anything. But uh, it's, only, it's only recently, I say recently, you know, relatively recently that I've started to learn it's okay to not write every single day. And it's okay to not write the exact thing I want to be writing at the weekend. Um, so like you, I've got multiple projects on the go. Just because I'm not writing one of them this weekend, but I, I am still dabbling on another one, does not mean that I've uh, not progressed anything. I've not you know, let myself down or anything like that. And um, I have to keep telling myself that. I don't know if you get the same thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I do beat myself up a lot. Quite a bit about if I don't write in February, which is when I well start of February. I I left in end of January, but um, I created an Excel spreadsheet, basically keeping a track of how many words I've written each day, how much money I'm spending, just to keep track of my expenses and um, push ups as well because I'm a lazy arse and I need to keep track of everything.
1: Mm. Um, That's
2: fair. And you know, going through, I set myself a target of three thousand words a day, which was just ludicrously optimistic. <laughs> uh, and I've literally only matched that twice. So I, I made like a, a thing where it colors it like green or red, depending on whether I've matched my target for that day or not. I have two greens Wow! For, since since the start of February.
0: That sounds but, like which, a big blow to self-esteem.
1: Yeah, but, but sure.
0: self-inflicted.
1: <laughs> but then it gets to the bit where you, you open that document and you are uh, subconsciously just constantly th- thinking about it's, it's going to be red again today. I'm going to do red again today. I, is is that maybe not not the most beneficial way of doing it? Like, have you changed it up since you started it, or have you like revised the the number of words that you're trying to hit each day?
2: I mean, the the, the silly thing is, I guess, is that while I did write three thousand, I think I always knew that two thousand was the uh, the real aim because. Um, I mean, I could be completely wrong. I did read like a quote from, I think it was Stephen King a while back, or it could have been somebody pretending to be Stephen King, I don't know, <laughs> saying that if you want to be a a novelist or a story writer, and I'm paraphrasing this, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you should be aiming to write 2,000 words uh, a day, which mm-hmm. is, I, mm-hmm. I wrote 3,000 because I was thinking, okay, I'm not working anymore. I've got the whole day to myself. Let's go optimistic. And, you know, if I don't reach it, fine. Yeah. Um the problem is, like you said, sometimes it's just not realistic to sit, think you're going to sit down and write, or you're you're going to write like four four sentences, or you might write like four hundred words or whatever it is that day, and your brain just decides, no, uh, yeah. no more for you, <laughs> and for whatever reason it is. And I feel like I, I don't want to sound um ex, I don't know if exclusionary is the right word, but I feel like people that haven't been through that point understand how difficult it is to because like 400 words do not sound like much in the grand scheme of things if you're reading a book 400 words is going to take you what 30 seconds a minute to, yeah, to get yeah. through
1: but it's 400 words of quality that you're trying to exactly. get and it's 400 words of progress uh, and by progress i mean it's pushing the story forward it's pushing the characters forward um it's you know adding new elements to the storyline and I could write 400 words and just describe the, you know, the, uh, the table that they're sat around. Not a problem. That doesn't add anything and no one's going to really want to read a Dickensian paragraph about the quality of the oak staining and the varnish. You know, it's
0: I I found that really quite interesting. One of the one of the sort of interviews that sticks out in my mind and I think you're right. I think it was Stephen King who said that because mm-hmm. I was watching Obviously, I was on YouTube and I was watching an interview where George R.R. R. Martin is speaking with Stephen King and George says to Stephen, <laughs> uh, are you supposed to, is it formal to do surnames? Oh, well. anyway. Um, Martin
2: says
1: to King.
0: <laughs> Martin says to King. Um,
1: uh, which which Martin Luther King are you talking about?
0: <laughs> um,
1: the, uh, the Lutheran one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All
0: right um <laughs> but they say to it, like he says uh how do you write so many books and cuz he has a huge procrastination problem he still hasn't mm-hmm. finished game of thrones properly i don't think um and stephen king's just like yeah i just write every single day i write at least 3 pages and i don't care what it is i just write it down mm-hmm. um and i wonder if uh obviously both of them are su- successful writers and uh I man, I just want to encourage both of you because I mean, Stephen, I haven't read your work yet, um, but I'm excited for it. The way you describe it sounds really exciting (laughs) and interesting, and I'm like, oh, I want to read this. I want to see what happens with this train tunnel explosion. Okay, so we're gonna
1: so we're gonna go back into a previous previous conversation we've had before, which is it is intimidating (laughs) to set yourself targets like that, and then to share. And if you've written something that you know deep down is, oh, I'm writing 2,000 words a day because I always write 2,000 words a day and I don't care what it is. To actually get to the stage where you don't care what you've written, I that just feels wrong to me.
0: <laughs> but that's like, kind uh, of what I mean. In, well, this, obviously, you guys are actually the writers. And if I think if I tried to write a book and I decided I'm going to write something, it's obviously not going to be very good. I'm not a writer. Uh, I have no inclination to make it, good if that makes sense but uh one thing that i say to alex about his writing is that um especially with sharing it online um it's not really for you yourself as the writer to decide how good it is because ultimately you're putting it out there for people to enjoy um but i guess you have to like it on your own first
1: yeah there's a there's a weird sort of catch 22 with it of why would i share something i'm not happy with mm. but also i am my own worst critic and surely other people like would want to see this i mean the amount of things that pop up on algorithms for netflix and youtube and stuff that i just have no interest in but it's got you know 100,000 views or a million views clearly someone is interested so it's not my choice as to what people think is good or not so i do need to share it but at the same time if i put it out there and I'm not happy with it have I let myself down in that regard and that, that that's a problem I need to deal with and that's a, a, a hurdle I have to get over and I think I'm getting better at it I am sharing more and more widely mm. um, I'm
0: happy about that for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> how uh, is it how is it for you Stephen sharing your work well actually um, I don't think you've um, well you haven't sent me a link to your stuff yet or anything like that oh so.
2: yeah because nobody's seen it so I'm happy with it <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stephen's on my side, so it's all good. I'm
0: not good okay. You know, okay. I just want you both to be successful because I enjoy you and both, I... as people. So.
2: <laughs> Thank you, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and I do totally get what you mean, and I, I think you're hundred percent correct. But again, like Alex was saying, you, there's a difficulty with being happy and content with it within yourself. Yeah, and and there's two levels to that. Um, in that, like, there's one level where I can see that. But like sometimes, as I'm writing a novel, I'll lose interest with it, but I'll still continue it. And eventually, the interest might come back, or it might not. But um, so on one level, it's, it's like, OK, maybe some people aren't going to like this f- the themes in this book. Uh, maybe I'm not even enjoying the themes at the moment. But other people will, and I can accept that. There's the other side of it, where I'm ri- I'm reading like a page, and I think, wow, this is actually really good. Holy hell, how did I write this? And then you get to the next page, and it's like, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this would never get published in a million years. How how did I how did I churn this rubbish out? You know, and and it's, it's that that side of it where it's not even being content with the like the characters or the themes or whatever else. It's actually being content with the grammar and the structure and the flow of the timeline and and how things are framed and everything like that. And and to sort of um, digress a tiny bit, I I did write some poetry for. I came across a competition like years ago, like five, seven years ago, whatever it was. And I hate poetry. I hate poetry. Whenever it was asked in literature class, what are the themes of this? I was like, my brain's just, oh, (laughs) God, completely dead. dead." Um, So I don't, I didn't care at all about the quality of the poetry I was writing. I just wanted to submit it because I want to get something finished and done and sent off. And you know, I, and I, I didn't care about people seeing it or reading it. And everybody that saw it thought it was good. And that completely caught me off guard because mm. it was like, okay, I don't understand poetry in the slides. Uh, you know, I don't I don't see how it can be good, but cool. But because I, I didn't care, I mean, it was cool that I could show people and it's fine
1: because
2: yeah. I care about my actual stories. It's like, yeah, so it, I'm always going to have that side of me that's like no,
1: I, I don't know if, if perhaps some of it is to do with, I just don't want to get criticism on it from someone that I respect. I don't know if that's something that maybe plays into my mind about it as well. I know for a fact, and having worked with nine to fives, you know, in editorial and publishing and things, I have to get criticism on something to be able to improve it. Yeah. But when it's, you know, you're something that you're so deeply enamored with and, you know, you you want to be the defining feature or the, you know, the the starting block for, what could potentially be, turn into a career where you support yourself is terrifying to basically hand it to someone and say, tear this to shreds for me and uh, <laughs> tell me where to improve.
2: Yeah. I mean, you uh, actually brought up a sort of point that reminded me, I, as um, where I was working, I I, did, I wrote some like funding applications um, for funding for projects that we did. And obviously it's not the same thing as writing a novel, but there are some similar skills in that you have to get a point across in a succinct manner, while describing why you, why you need this money basically, yeah. um, and how it will help people, etc, cetera, etc cetera. and I didn't mind my manager um, who I'm, I'm friends with anyway so it's all cool, um, I didn't mind her having a look over it and you know, changing things and what have you I didn't mind my colleagues changing things because at the end of the day it didn't okay, it may have meant that somebody lost their job or not but <laughs> if it went through or not, but Beyond beyond that, on a personal level, I didn't care about whether somebody criticised the quality of it, basically, because it was it was an impersonal task. Beyond the funding coming in,
1: I, I have it every single day where something gets sent back to me from a client saying, "Oh, uh, don't like the sound of that." So, okay, fine, you know, like, it's that. Thanks for pointing that out. I will make sure that going forward, I don't word it in that way or uh, phrase it like that or whatever. Um, and it's nothing personal in any way shape or form and um it's then being able to bring that to my own writing and have that own conversation with myself uh, about sharing my own work like it, i don't see why it should be any different but mentally for some reason i've i've got this pedestal on it or something
2: i think it's i think it's because you know it doesn't mean i'm right or this applies to everybody i think it's because whatever you're writing you're leaving a piece of yourself in it Mm-hmm. A piece of yourself is coming out onto the paper as you 're writing it, even if it 's something you feel like you don 't care about you know there 's going to be something of you in it so yeah. if somebody's criticizing it, it despite the fact that it makes doesn 't make sense or doesn 't mean that it's true, it can feel like they 're criticizing you as a person or your interests or themes that are dear to you or that you you feel like you want to get out, and even if on the subconscious level, even if on the surface level you 're not actually thinking that it can play or havoc with your self-confidence and which is, is annoying because every writer wants to get their stuff published. And we all know, or most of us know I guess, that it will get criticized. And you probably will get torn to shreds on Twitter uh, at some point. No, Twitter's it, really friendly. Of course. <laughs> you know, it's a hive of um kindness and and no, I can't even think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, I think it, it's. Uh, I think I have that with music so much so to the point where I, I can't really pick up instrumentation around other people, even well, my uh, future husband right here.
1: You, you were literally asking me earlier this morning, could I maybe go away for two weeks so you can write <laughs> music without me being nearby?
0: Yeah, the two weeks was definitely <laughs> a joke. I think, <laughs> but I was I was uh, remembering basically how. Oh no, not remember. I was, I was just listening to some music in the background, but I was being very like mindful about it. I was l- really listening to the instrumentation and the, and I just found it so interesting and I missed, um, making music. And mm. I was like, I, I would really like to do this again. But then I turned around and you were sat on the couch and I was like, I can't really pick up an instrument right now. It's, uh, okay. It.
1: I'll make a deal with you. I will put something online today to share for the world and you've got to pick up the guitar.
0: That doesn't. I'm going to say no. Thanks for the
1: offer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I tried. uh, tried. I think like from the perspective of, of somebody who isn't a writer, like I'm, and I have this with my art. It's very easy to put my like little cute doodles and whatever up online, because I know that I'm not a very good artist. And I also know that people probably aren't going to take it very seriously. However, uh, if I think about the way you guys are describing your writing when compared to my music, I can understand the, the fear to some extent. But I'm always um, um, the reason that I feel so strongly about people sharing their writing, or I guess Alex in particular sharing his writing, is because if E.L. James can write Fifty Shades of Grey and it gains the popularity that it does it's so unfair that beautiful works made by people like you guys aren't getting shown to the world um and we have to unfortunately then be subjected to writing like that by E.L. James as opposed to I I,
2: I did read some of Fifty Shades of Grey to be honest
0: I, 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 oh, I, honestly, I honestly think that there is better Harry Potter fan fiction online than Fifty Shades of Grey.
1: I know you're saying that as a joke, but there is some fan fiction out there that is legitimately like a, like a modern classic. It's fantastic,
0: and which is so unfair i mean a, a good, a good a yeah, yeah a,
1: a, a good 95 percent of it is is just um you need to turn off the internet for the day and i really <laughs> wish that i could unlearn reading um but there's no but there's, you know i say jest and stuff but there's um when things like that happen you, you see a lot of the passion that comes out from people and you see a lot of the interest that come out and although we're you know just making a joke about that whatever There are there are people out there. There is an audience for it that legitimately really loves it and enjoys it. And who are we or I to stand in the in the way of that? Because Mm. um, you know, I ended up. I've read uh, SpongeBob fan fiction before, and it was so funny. Yeah, yeah. Someone was basically just uh, writing their own episodes and things. That's so sweet. And it was uh, like it it was not suitable for uh, Nickelodeon, but uh, it it was. It sort of started going into sort of like always sunny territory of of, Um. like patrick and spongebob just uh turning into these these awful people but it was oh, i need to remember who wrote that but it was just I, I i loved it i thought it was really really funny um
0: if we find it it'll yeah. be in the show notes um but
2: yeah, i'm I mean, similarly sorry to interrupt i just um i i, I read some really good digimon fan fiction <laughs> you, you know and like it <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is like you, there is some good fan fiction out there and i think it is I'm to say, it's important to read fan fiction, but I think it is part of like a wider sort of range of. If you if you want to be a writer, I think it's important to read various different genres and and um from various different uh, novelists and authors and what have you, just mm, to yeah. see what techniques they're using and what they're not using, um how they implement certain things, and even fan fiction can be a source of that. Like the vast majority of it, God no, but uh, <laughs> 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 travel. a couple.
0: It sharpens your taste to a certain mm. extent, because if you read something and you don't like it, you can kind of look at it and see, figure out why you don't like it. And if you read something else and you say, wow, this is really mm. impressive. I want my work to make me feel like this or make others feel like this. It's a mm. good way to learn to do it. Um, so, it's like and, what, oh, sorry. sorry, and, and also just build a community around literature mm. and reading and making fan fiction or your own original stuff it's just really nice to have somewhere to do that
1: so um yeah uh it i i i tend to do a thing where i would i will read uh something from fiction and then something non-fiction something fiction something nonfiction. i tend to just do that um to keep things fresh and that's also because uh the historian in me will never die and i still love reading history books as boring as they can be it's it's important to read things that you are not used to reading. And it's important to read things beyond what's been recommended to you. Um, a couple of months ago, I read uh, something that, w- that just came up from an algorithm of recommended for you. It was uh, two things on there that were bestsellers. And I would just consider them, I sort of described them as airport trash books that you sort of pick up on on the way to holiday to read by the side of the pool. You don't really care if the pages get wet or anything. I powered through and I finished them. And I'm glad I finished them. I just really did not enjoy them in any way, shape, or form, but I know exactly what I dislike about them to make sure that I'm not doing that in my own writing mm. and it's It's okay to dislike stuff, but know why you dislike it and utilize why you dislike it into into making your own stuff better
2: you know? oh, yeah i mean i I totally agree with that, and that actually brought up some traumatic memories of um
1: I'm so sorry reading-
2: <laughs> So, I, uh, reading um Ian McEwan books, like okay. I, 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 mean, I don't, I, am not going on. I don't want to go on a podcast just to criticise people. So I'll just say that I absolutely despise every single word I've, re- I've read in the Ian McEwan book.
1: But do you know why you dislike it though? <laughs> I,
2: I, do know why. Well, I did know. I think I have purged it from my memory at this point. <laughs> but, but I did, I did go over it. And I did analyse it, and I did sort of work out why I disliked it, and why I didn't want to incorporate the same sort of techniques and ways that his characters uh, spoke and interacted with their world and the lack of humour and lack of levity and taking itself too seriously, despite the situation being completely sort of bizarre. And yeah, so I I did understand why I didn't like it. And I think, like you said, it's important to, even if you're reading something that you absolutely hate, if you sort of pick apart afterwards and you say, okay, I liked this, I didn't like this, in my writing, I don't want to copy this because I don't think it works. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, even even if you don't like something, you can still pick up good parts, about whether it's the way they use grammar or structure or whatever else it may be. You can still pick up some things that yeah. are decent or good and that you can implement in your own work.
1: So, so for me, one of my biggest struggles when it comes to writing is um, speech and conversation. Um, I, I don't feel I'm great at portraying dialogue in an easy and flowing manner.
0: Oh hi Mark! Yeah, very
1: much. Uh, oh hi Mark! Yeah, a, <laughs> I, I did not
0: hit her. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that was just classic. But yeah, um, uh, if you haven't watched, if you haven't watched the room, go and watch it. Uh, I haven't
0: watched the room.
1: I haven't watched it either. Oh dear. Okay. All right. Go go. Make yourself some popcorn and be prepared for the most amazing bad film of all time. This was but, one
0: of my twenty twenty plans that I missed out on. I was going to go. There's a. Um, oh, it was Le- oh, I
1: was on the cinema, wasn't it?
0: In Leicester Square, yeah. There oh,
1: yeah.
0: a tiny it cinema. Won- which like they mm. put the room on every week or something or every month, and there's mm. like a club around it and everything.
2: Yeah. Um, it's but, supposed to go to that one time with a friend, and we just never did. Uh, one reason or another. So,
0: can't wait till it opens back up again. It'll be one of the first things I see this year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but the so I I know that I'm not amazing at writing loads and loads of speech but I have found a technique that I absolutely love for portraying conversations from my characters, points of views and things. And I wouldn't have managed to find that way of doing it. If I wasn't reading things outside of my comfort zone, or if I was just reading, wasn't reading things that um, you know, were, were just mainstream popular. So I suppose, I suppose the prime example of it would be uh, The Collector by John Fowles. It's this book that's written uh, kind of in in two halves of, his point of view and then her point of view. And uh, it's written almost like a police statement from his side of things and a, a sort of a, a diary journal entry from her side. Uh, I started doing that. And then I ended up reading um, Blood Meridian by uh, Cormac McCarthy. And his has taken it even, even a step further where entire conversations between multiple people don't have any speech marks or indications to who is talking to sort of show the chaos of certain conversations. And, you know, that's obviously a technique that a lot of people really did not like because it requires a lot of willpower to try and work out who was saying what. But um, you, you wouldn't know about it unless you experienced it and tried it for yourself. And I like for me, it clicks and I really liked that idea. And I thought, I'm going to try that myself and I've really enjoyed it. But, you know, it, it's, yeah, it just comes back to you've, you've got to read things outside of what you would normally read.
0: Are you getting feedback from anyone in particular about what you're writing so far?
1: No, uh, <laughs> no,
2: there's a short answer for that. I really want to get to a certain point and I've already like spoken to, I've, I've spoken to like a friend from work, my previous workplace, and she said she's, she wants to read it once I've got to a certain point. So I, you know, I'll let her read it and I know she'll be objective and she's not going to like eviscerate it. Um, so I I, I I can trust her to like read over it and give it like an objective eye and I'll be fine with that. And I'm just sort of gearing myself up to the inevitable moment where she asks me for the upteenth time, hey, Stephen, uh, are you ready to show it to me yet? And I run out of excuses and can no longer say no. Um, but I, again, I, I know full well that you need to have people look at it because at the end of the day, it's going to be in the public domain anyway, if you want to get it published or try to anyway. And you need to be prepared for criticism. You need to be, not just criticism for the sake of it, but criticism that will help you sort of, in your second or third draft, just change things up and uh, try and adjust things accordingly. And it's getting over that mental hurdle that I know that I will have to do. But again, knowing that you're going to have to do something is one thing and actually doing it is a entirely different prospect. Unfortunately, mm-hmm.
1: Most people, the vast majority of people, they're not criticizing because they want to upset you. They want to like, they want to help and improve it. Um, and much as we've been talking about how there are things that you dislike and don't like, it's going to be the same for them. They're not always going to be uh, a massive fan of everything that you've created, but you know, if they're the right sort of person, they should always support what you've created. Hmm. Um,
0: we were actually saying this uh, in the previous episode. Yeah. Your work is very dark.
1: <laughs> My, I, <laughs> and, I, I, yeah, I'm fully so, aware, yeah. <laughs>
0: and I am not necessarily your ideal audience, but I like the way that it's written. Hmm. And uh, I think that's, you can tell the quality of that. Um, but even then, I feel like it's difficult to, to, Get feedback from people when you, you don't share your work. So mm-hmm. I guess you're your basically your only critic at the moment. Is that right? Yeah,
2: it's a very fun occupation. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, it's like you don't get paid for it, and you hate yourself after.
0: It. Uh, oh damn!
1: I do that for free anyway. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you planning to finish your work kind of in its entirety as a first draft before you share it? Or
2: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm aiming for. I I told myself I'm going to get a first draft of actually second story. That wasn't the one I described earlier because I have reached like a a point in that where I couldn't go any further. So I put it on the back burner for a bit, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm hoping to get this one done by the end of June. Um, The first draft at any rate. Um, Then I'm, you know, I'll hand it over to her and, you know, she can have a look over it. Um, She probably, I might ask her to get her son uh, to have a look at it as well because he doesn't hold back from criticizing me. Uh but uh, I, I think he I think he would enjoy it as well, hopefully. Although now that I think about it, some of the themes might be a bit too you know, I'll across everybody bridge well around get to it. But uh you know he either he either sees it or not and you know they can come back to me with it. And um you know then there's another colleague as well that said he'd 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 like to have a look over it as well. But he's he's more on a sort of editorial sort of grammatical side rather than actually taking an interest in the story see what I mean mm. so you know once she's come back with that I'll probably aim to take you know take whatever criticism she gives and sort of just accordingly and then in theory then I'd hand it over to him after the second draft and then see what he says and then go from there but um you know that's all ideal scenario uh stuff I'm talking about unfortunately the course of creativity or my creativity doesn't Tend to go as smoothly as that. So, (laughs) whether I actually stick to those deadlines or not is another matter entirely. But that is my aim at the moment. And
1: you know, once if we we, we invite you back on for September, will that give you enough time? We'll go for yeah. I mean, an update in September.
2: Yeah, I've said to myself. I mean, it's not. It's not exactly September, but I've said to myself, if I haven't got it done by the end of the year, then I'm never going to do it. And I think it sort of stands to reason. September is sort of similar case as well because. You know, again, I'm not working at the moment. So I have all these hours and if somehow I've still contrived not to be able to at least finish the first draft and it's never, I I basically just have to accept it's never going to happen. And Hmm. then that's a conversation I have to have with myself and go from there. But hopefully I won't have to come September and I can come on and say, everything's sunshine and rainbows and I'm looking for an agent and all's good in the world, but, uh, you know don't really know. I don't have the power of foresight. So
0: So is that, is that something that you planned from the beginning or like, did you give yourself a year to really try this thing full fully before you kind of know it's not the right thing to go for? Or.
2: I mean, this thing is I a hundred, percent want to be a writer. I've, also, you know, funny thing—I said twenty twenty is I, I, like I bought a, a short amount of camera camera for eight hundred pounds, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to start filming stuff in twenty twenty summer. It's going to be great." And then that didn't. Oh. Uh, Welcome back to my room. <laughs> <laughs> it was so depressing that. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, but when I left work. I said, I did say to myself, look, I'm going to have all this time. I know I have problems with procrastination. 110%, this is what I want to do in my life. But honestly, if I can't do it in this by the end of the year, then something has gone wrong. And I just have to accept that there's something wrong with me and my approach to work and uh, such like, and it's not going to happen. And I I think I just, at this point, have to be truthful with myself because I've wanted to write for a long time. I started stories and not finished them like there's so many like I wrote I got to like 190,000 words on one like four years ago or something and then completely abandoned it <laughs> which is just awful and so I, I, it's just basically being honest with myself there's no point lying to yourself because then you're just tricking yourself and there's no point
0: yeah you know? It, uh, as somebody who has lied to herself about lots of things, it wastes a lot of time because if you believe the lie for long enough, it you you don't realize that you, you don't have anything to support kind of the the belief that you have in your head about what's going on. Um, at least that's what I found. I uh, eventually you have to face the truth at some point, and it's not always nice, which is a shame.
2: And you, you can waste years just telling yourself over and over again, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, or whatever it is that you're telling yourself, I'm going to make the perfect, I've got to say symphony for some reason. But a... Yeah, go for <laughs> symphony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Um, but like you said, it's just you're wasting your own time. You're wasting hours and days and months and years of whether it's staring at a computer screen and writing stuff that's never going to see the light of day and it's never going to go anywhere. You just, I feel like you have to, I don't know whether it's just a general, a general life or creative endeavors or whatever, but you just have to sit down and you have to think about yourself and think about where you are as a person and how you as an individual, not as like a, a human, as, as part of a thousand or a million, you as an individual can build towards achieving what you want to achieve. Because we're all different. As much as we... I mean, we are the same in lots of different ways, I guess, but we re- respond to stimuli in different ways. We have our own hang-ups and neuroses and all that rubbish. And I feel like you have to accept that in order to get to where you want to be, if you see what I mean.
1: Yeah. You've got to, you've got to let your own personality shine through as well. Is there anywhere that uh, you want to plug yourself, like social media or anything, Is if there's um, something for people to follow on?
2: Or... um well, at the moment, I've uh, taken a conscious choice not to have any social media. Um, cool. I, Well, I was, you know, the funny thing is, and again, 2020 screwed it over, but I was going to make a concerted push to start filming stuff mm-hmm. and get it on YouTube and make like a proper, not proper production company, but a proper sort of um, logo and what have you and tagline and all that crap. Branding.
0: Um,
2: but uh, obviously again didn't happen. But uh I am hopefully looking to do that. Because I what, what I'm planning to do is I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way of doing sort of radio plays in the form of podcasts, maybe, and try okay. and see how that would work. And once I've done that, then I'll sort of um try and reunite the idea. And again, if there's opportunities to film, I'd like to do that. And then once I've done that, then I'd so like in September, if we do this again. Hopefully by that point I'd have like a YouTube uh, page up and running and I have something to show for my work. But um,
1: we'll do the we'll do the plugs then. Then
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: there you go. But you know who knows what's going to happen in the intervening months, uh, so we'll see.
0: Thank you, Stephen, for joining us on the FOD Workshop podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: It's uh, I'm very excited to one day be able to read what you've written and maybe we'll have you back uh, at the end of the year to share your progress and all the exciting things that you've got going.
2: Sure. I mean, it could either go really well and I'm like super happy and chuffed with everything I've done and like everything's great or I'm in a de- state of depression and the world is gloomy and dark
1: and black. And either, way, either way, that's great content. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I was going to say something similar, except that I would call it a learning experience rather than great content. Such a
1: wonderful person, Alex. It's been great to have you on. Thank you very much.
0: I have been Nancy Art Music. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Nancy Art Music. Alex, where can we find you?
1: I'm Alex Roberts, and you can find me on Instagram at... Alex Roberts Writer, and you can find my first collection of poetry, Empire, on Amazon.
0: And of course, a huge thank you to you, the listener, for making it all the way through to the end of this podcast. And if you are here at the end, we would really, really appreciate if you could follow this podcast on Spotify, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe to the channel for more content, both from the Flawed Workshop podcast and me, Nancy Art Music. Once again, a huge thank you, and we'll see you next week. Bye!